So I'm re-recording this because when I initially recorded it, uh, it was just about the Porsche Dakar. There's been another announcement, so I'm just going to redo it. Um, so the Porsche is jumping on the Safari bandwagon, which I think makes a ton of sense. I'm surprised they haven't done it already. Uh, I'm not, I don't know what took them so long. It's really gaining popularity, especially in California where our roads are terrible uh, and especially if you live in, you know, places where people would expect you to have a Porsche, you know, LA and San Diego or San Francisco, um, you know, any of our major cities, the, the infrastructure is terrible. Uh, so buying a typical, you know, extremely low sports car, um, not that all Porsches are extremely low, but they're saying that more people are buying the GT, you know, three GT2, GT3 and up Porsches than ever. Uh, and those are the, the lower ones. Um, but Porsche to car makes a ton of sense. I mean, I, I would make sense where I live and the roads aren't that bad in Northern California in comparison to Southern California. But uh, I think it makes a lot of sense in a lot of different ways. And you know, if I had the cheddar and in the room, I, I might consider one. Uh, Lamborghini has since jumped into the fray uh, with the Storato. Uh, I'm not sure if they're calling it the Storato or if they're calling or if it's going to be like a Hurricane Storato. It's a Hurricane-based Lamborghini. Basically, it is a Hurricane, uh, same V10. Uh, shockingly, only rear-wheel drive. Um, I didn't. I don't understand why they went that direction. Um, I guess it doesn't really matter. The, lots of pre-runners are, are rear-wheel drive only. Uh, this thing's got 631 horse, so it's definitely got, it's got the beans <laughs> to fly over an obstacle that, you know, you might need four-wheel drive to get over, I guess. Uh, but that is weird to me. I mean, they make tons of all-wheel drive Lamborghinis. Why not the one that's lifted with off-road tires? Um, so interesting choice there. Uh, just like the Porsche, I'm sure they'll sell everyone that they make uh, if they haven't already. But um, I saw some interesting talk about this. Uh, you know, obviously there's the pro and con, but the the talk that interested me most was rumors about Ford doing a reissue of the Ford GT with a kind of rally-inspired, you know, stance. And while I, I mean, that fit would certainly fit with the price point of the two cars we've discussed already. I think that would be a huge miss on Ford's behalf, um, especially with the upcoming rollout of the, the new generation of Mustang and Ford's huge, huge commitment to getting back and racing with the Mustang. Uh, it doesn't, I don't know why they wouldn't do a, you know, small run of rally based Mustangs. It makes a ton of sense, and what what other what car other than the Camaro really has the you know redneck kind of America hell yeah chops that either one of those cars do? I mean, it makes the most sense if you're going to give the Safari treatment to an American car or sports based car. It would be you know Mustang would be my first choice, um, but the Camaro absolutely. And I honestly, I think they'd sell. I really do. Um, like I said, I, the roads aren't terrible where I live, but they're not great. And uh, it's it's a lot of really up and down. Uh, if I go over to visit any of the guys, well, a lot of the guys that live around here, um, their driveways are like goddamn roller coasters, you know, straight up or straight down. I'm pretty fortunate, uh, and even my driveway's got a pretty heavy twist to it. Um, thankfully, truck all my cars except for the Buick are bagged, so I can raise them up. But I still, you know, occasionally drag when I'm coming in with a Galaxy or with a with Trucky Verde. So I think a, a Safari-based Mustang would be would be cool. Um, I don't know what do you guys think. What what car would you see? A safari version of uh, or would you like to see a safari version of I should say I'd be interesting to hear what you guys think um, yeah I I'm feeling a Mustang that would be super cool
Okay, so I wrote a blog, a long format blog on this. I'm, so I'm going to try and make this quick. I did want to include it because uh, I've had a few conversations about it and none of them have been great. But uh, so Cadillac announced they're they're going to come out with their electric car sedan and they're they're going big with it and they're calling it the Celestique and they want to charge three hundred thousand um, dollars at least that's the current projected price that I've I've seen in a few different articles and they're saying that this is going to be uh, a hand built like super custom tons of different option capability Cadillac. Which I think is, is the idea is cool. Uh, I think it doesn't, in my opinion, really align with what Cadillac is. Um, certainly there were Cadillacs built that way, you know, early on. But I think, you know, everybody's got their own attachment to a brand. Everybody makes a story in their mind, you know, for what a brand meets, means to them. You know, especially when a brand, you know, starts to mean something to them. And I'm no different. Cadillac for some reason carries a lot of weight with me that shield and I, i'm i don't know if it's because my you know my parents were you know maybe one of the the of the age group where i really watched them go through the gm line you know as as i think general motors hoped that their customers would and what i mean by that is when they were you know starting out when i was a kid uh my mom had a pontiac and um she loved it you know and she she drove that pretty much for the a majority of my childhood and then when we started getting a little bit older she went back to school and my dad you know was working hard and they started doing a little bit better and they got a buick and they had a couple buicks and my mom graduated college and she started you know doing real estate and she got a cadillac you know and she that was like a huge deal. I mean, uh, it was one of those times where, you know, we lived in a little suburb area and, you know, mom showed up with her, bought her brand first brand new Cadillac home. And, you know, all the, all the dads came out to admire it in the driveway. And it was a thing, you know, like it was, it was going through, you know, GM's line as, as you're, I guess, supposed to, or, you know, or as they hope you do, I, like I said, so, you know, Cadillac and my, my dad and I built a couple Cadillacs together. Like Cadillac is, is it's, it holds some sway for me. And, and at least in my mind, I always saw Cadillac as like America's kind of proof of concept. You know, if you look at European cars, the thing that makes a Rolls Royce or a Bentley special is that they are you know, they're, they're the vehicles of like rock stars and royalty. They, they don't make a lot of them. Uh, they make more of them now than they ever have. But, you know, the traditionally the mark has been a very, a low production hand built, you know, conveyance for the rich Whereas as Cadillac in much in the way kind of America, at least used to be, you know, it was to me, it was the it was the ethos of, yeah, we're, we see you, Bentley. We see you, Rolls Royce. You guys make, say, 10000 a year. Well, we're going to make twenty five, thirty thousand 30000 a year. And not only are they going to be faster, not only are they going to be more comfortable, not only are they going to be better built, uh, but we're going to make them at a price where you don't have to be a rock star or royalty to afford it. You know, you could be a dentist or a real estate agent, you know, or a CPA, and you can drive a Cadillac and it's going to be as good or better, you know, than anything that the English or the Germans are building, you know, for their, you know, kings and queens and, you know, royalty and rock stars to drive around. And even though it's not a Cadillac story, like to me, I, when I think of Cadillac, you know, you know, at, I, I, I kind of, for some reason, also think of this story uh, about Henry Ford, about how there was like, I think it was a Russian delegation that came over and saw, you know, was getting a tour of, of the Ford plant and he saw this parking lot full of cars and he asked, you know, are these cars, you know, coming back or are they being shipped or, you know, whatever. 
And the guy giving the tour was like, no, that's employee parking. And this guy couldn't wrap his mind around the fact that employees building a vehicle could afford the vehicle that was being built. You know, and and Henry Ford was largely credited as the guy that figured out, you know, if you want to build shit and sell it, you should, I don't know, pay the people that build that shit enough to afford the thing that they're building. Uh, Unfortunately, that's a lesson, I think, well, anybody would say that most of the uh, people that own companies here in the States have long forgotten, unfortunately. But, you know, when I think of Cadillac, I, I always think of Cadillac as the top end of that ideal. You know, it's it's the, you know, the American, American Rolls Royce or American, you know, Bentley or, you know, higher end Mercedes, however you want to say it. So for Cadillac to build a, make a hand-built, you know, $300,000 vehicle i think that's kind of to me at least it strikes as counter to what the brand is is about but you know i'm not the shepherd of that brand and i think i do want to appreciate and i kind of like the idea that you know cadillac is going for though that high-end customer you know directly that's kind of cool to me but then when i look at the celestique i just don't see it this is this is like as egregiously ugly a vehicle, I think, as GM has made since the Aztec. I don't understand how in today's design by committee culture, you know, where this, you know, goes from a napkin sketch to a full sketch to a clay model, you know, to, you know, several clay models. And, you know, each step has got to be approved, I'm sure, by many, many, many people. And I'm looking at this thing and I was like, did everybody have pink eye? Like, was was everybody afflicted with some weird, like, optical issue? Like, through I, I don't get it. Um, what makes this even more confusing to me, when I was looking, you know, kind of doing some research on the Celestique and the, like, the people that, that were designing it, I came across the Cadillac Lyric which is an SUV that Cadillac is, is offering. And it's the same goddamn car. I, I'm, I mean, basically the, the Celestique looks like a longer, lower lyric and you can pick up a lyric, although I don't know why you would. It's, it's also ugly as shit. And you could pick up a lyric though for like 60 something thousand dollars. It's a midsize SUV why would you pay $300,000 for the bigger version of a smallish? I don't that I just don't get it. Um the hatchback design, I mean they they the two vehicles look real similar. Like I said the the Celestique is looks longer and lower, but it has this weird hatchbacky thing and the worst which at first I thought, okay, cool, it's a wagon. You know, I love wagons probably more than the next guy. And the last Cadillac wagon, you know, certainly didn't sell very well, but they are rare. They're hard to pick up now. I mean, if you if you want one, you're going to pay through the nose to get it. And if you want a V, man, you I hope you got a good job cuz even used, they're they're still selling per, for pretty good money. Um, even with like medium to high miles, they're, they're pretty spendy. So they, they didn't sell very well new, but they're, they're certainly holding their own with the enthusiasts. So maybe Cadillac was looking at that, but with this, it, you know, the, the first read is maybe wagon, but to me, the second read, it it looks like a, looks like an old Citroen sedan that's been updated like a West coast customs Citroen. And the taillight treatment is unforgivable. I just, I, I can't, every time I see it, literally, it, it makes me almost angry. Uh, it's the some very similar to what's on the Lyric. Um, the taillights don't, they, they look like, if you ever seen a dog lay down on its stomach with its legs kicked out behind it, that's what this taillight looks like. It's a broken ass dog leg taillight that follows the what would normally be the C pillar down and then straight back. 
so it's like an anti-wing and or an anti-fin maybe there there's another what looks like a tail light that follows the bottom edge of the bumper and that i actually kind of like and if it had just been that i would have said okay they were you know looking at the what is it like 62 63 cadillac where it's got a fin on the top and the bottom of the rear fender um that I would have been like, oh, okay, I see that, you know, if they wouldn't have put that top tail light on at all. But with that top tail light on there, it just highlights that weird hatchbacky add-on thing. And if if you erase just that hatchbacky part, that the car looks a ton better without it. I'm, I just I'm so mystified. And then I thought the front end at least, you know. That's not bad. The front end, I thought, okay, well, this, you know, it, it's very reminiscent of the, you know, design, the Cadillac's previous design language. Cadillac has had so many amazing concept cars, you know, over the last 20 years. And in this, the front end does look like it might have pulled from some of those. So I thought, okay, well, that's something. But then it has this LED like the the bottom of the grill and i <clears throat> i think some of the the top also lights up with this led animation and you would think that that would make it better but it looks so cheap it's i just don't i don't know how they missed this hard maybe it'll be better in person but i just don't see how and at three hundred thousand dollars a whack i don't know if I mean, who's gonna buy these things? Um, so yeah, it's Jesus, what a miss. Uh, I don't understand why somebody would pay three Cadillac lyrics to get a Celestique, and they Jesus, what a miss. But anyway, I wrote a, a longer format, uh, like a, a blog on it. If you want to take a look at it at uh, the lower. Uh, dot com just uh, at the website I included some pictures in there um i did do some research on it and um you know they they reference like oh these are the cadillacs that we were looking at you know this is what we drew our you know inspiration from and i just don't see it i, I don't know what these guys are talking about i i'm i i'm certainly not in this price range there it's not like they're losing a customer with me but if this is, it seems to be the Cadillac design language going forward. Maybe this is, I guess that's what they're saying. This is the, the look that they're going for. I just don't see it, man. I just don't see it. And it breaks my heart to, to see the brand being done this way. But I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe people will buy the shit out of it. What do you guys think? So I'm just going to go ahead and apologize up front. I kind of bitched out on this next section. Uh, this is a longer blog post that I wrote for the lowered h, uh, well, the lowered.com uh, website where I, I post longer format blogs. I write, wrote this uh, some time ago and I wasn't sure I was going to post it because it doesn't really fit in with the normal vibe I'm going for. But I get these questions more and more uh, and it's, it just is happening in more frequency about, you know, electric cars in general and like what to do about changing from internal combustion over to an electric. Um, so anyway, I wrote this and it goes over some concerns and issues that I had uh, that I don't hear a lot of other people discussing. And it comes from my background in the working in different technology industries. So anyway, uh, I didn't want to read it myself. I tried several times and I just got stuck. Uh, every time I read something that I've written, I want to change something. And when you're trying to read on the fly, it just doesn't come out right. So like I said, I bitched out and I came across an app called Speechify. And so this next section is going to be a longer format blog post that I wrote, read by Robot Snoop Dogg which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, hope you think so as well. Uh, it's 
I fully expect to be catching shit over this one, uh, and that's okay. But I hope you enjoy it, and I apologize also up front. I didn't take out the links part, um, so there'll be parts where Snoop is going to read actual like web links to stories that I'm referencing, and that kind of sucks. I debated about taking them out, but I thought, you know what? I'm just going to put it in as I wrote it. And that way, if you want to click on the links or if you want to, you know, see what I was looking at when I wrote the post, you can either, you know, try and type it in uh, from the podcast or you can go to thelower.com and check out the blog post there. But again, uh, hope you enjoy it. And here's Robot Snoop Dogg from the Speechify app reading my uh, long format blog post on electric cars called uh, Electric Cars and Tinfoil Hat. Hope you dig it. Electric cars and a electric cars and a tinfoil hat. If you followed my Facebook at all, you'd know my posts about electric cars are largely positive. The comments not so much as the HMFIC of the Lord, you can imagine I catch a fair amount of shit for my electric car positivity. I don't expect that to change, and I'm okay with that. Why is a primarily classic car guy into electrics? Well, we are all products of our environments. At this point, some background is important, so let me confess I'm someone born in the mid-70s, who grew up in the 80s and 90s. So I have literally grown up with a personal computer. By chance, as a kid, I ended up playing Oregon Trail at a school with an early personal computer lab full of Apple IIs. Because of my age, I was part of the transition from tube TVS and wall-mounted rotary phone to pager to sell to flat and touch screens. I was an early adopter of the internet, though sadly not smart enough to capitalize on it. So I have grown up engrossed in technology. At the same time, my parents are both retired naval aviation. Hearing stories of late-night street races, motorcycle rallies slash runs as well as muscle cars trucks rides and customs from both of my parents past we regularly attended local races at sacramento raceway the sacramento autorama grand national roasters show the reno air races and on and on so in an effort to be totally upfront i'm a fan of both automotive and technology in general that said i'm also the generation that watched the optimism of the previous generations that came to their maturity in 50s and 60s with their jet age view of the future while the 70s 80s kids watched those ideals crash and burn for us that 40s 50s and 60s hoped that inventions would make the world better by innovation and problem solving capability morphed into technology being the reason humanity dies that eventually are own creations would be the thing that will end us all. Another fact about me, I've worked in the tech slash cellular industry for over 25 years. As such, the parking lot at my day job is full of Prius, Tesla, and now a few Rivians. So yeah, my classic American cars tend to stand out. To a lot of my fellow co-workers, my not owning an electric car doesn't make sense. I like them. I'm both a fan of technology in general, but also all things automotive. So I understand why anyone might be confused at my hesitancy toward electrics. To be fair, I do watch and follow the segment of our evolving lifestyle with great interest. To prove my sincerity, first let's talk about the pros of going electric. Not paying for gas, that's the easy one, but as an enthusiast, I'm betting that's not enough of a reason for you either. So let's look at it from an enthusiast standpoint. When I was a kid, as I'm sure many of you will attest, one of the easiest metrics to determine a car's coolness was at zero to 60 times. For me, I look forward to each New Year's car's stats as much as any other event. How each manufacturer was going to fare in the great American drag race was my Super Bowl. Chevy VS Ford VS Dodge, Honda VS Nissan VS Mitsubishi, Ferrari VS Lamborghini and Porsche. Car magazines relentlessly plastered with exciting images of the current year's dream cars and flashy headlines alluding to their performance. Oh man, I couldn't buy those magazines fast enough. Some of my favorites were in the late 80s and 90s. Who doesn't like an underdog story? Especially when your team is the one winning. If you're my age or older, you might remember when Buick Grand Nationals of the 80s were so fast and Zoe was scared. Rumor was, and Zoe Ferrari wouldn't even allow Motor Trend or was a car and driver. To have a test car to put up against the Buick GM. So the editors had to borrow one. 
If memory serves me, the guy they borrowed the Ferrari from even got in trouble for it from Ferrari. That would happen again in the 90s with the GMC Cyclone and Typhoon. Let's be real. These days though, no matter which mark you prefer, if it's an internal combustion engine under that hood, it's going to have to be something extremely custom or special to hang with an electric. I'm not even talking about higher-end electrics either. Pretty much anything rolling out of old Uncle Alon's garage is a beast. And it's not just Tesla. Rivian, Lucid, and even our beloved Big Three are coming out with their own electrics, each one fast enough to put our classics to shame. To a one, their performance is on par or better than what Alon is putting out. How fast are they? Well, electric cars are so fast Dodge is retiring the Hellcat. They are so torquey that Ford offers one as a version of the F-150. General Motors has an electric humor and Silverado as well as GMC Denali pickups. GM has stated in press releases that it is well on its way to switching over their whole lineup. Recently, GM announced that they foresee the end of internal combustion engine production in alignment with California's 2035 date. To wrap up this particular train of thought, all of them, even the trucks, are white high fast as fuck. How can I not be interested in electric cars? Let me paint you a picture. Think your self-esteem is in pretty good shape. Picture yourself sitting at a light in a 2020 Mustang GT. On the bark of a coyote, a better sounding engine you'd be hard pressed to find. Well, if you're on your game, your stock ride will put down a 4.20 to 60 time. Not bad. Not bad at all. Wait, James, but I'm a Chevy guy. You say, okay, I got you. Maybe it's a similar spec mid-range V8 Camaro. Well, according to the old interwebs, you're looking at 4.3 seconds to 60. A hair slower than the Mustang GT, but still pretty damn fast. Let's get crazy. Let's say you've done well for yourself. You graduated from dental school with straight C pluses. You're making that filling kids' cavities, strapping braces on poor teens' money. Lucky bastard. You find yourself at that same light in your 2021 Porsche 911 Targ. Well, as my dad said, cool costs money and that pricey little rocket has netted you 0, 060 and 4.0. Are you ready? Feeling good about yourself? Well, if a 2022 GMC Hummer pulls up after your eyes are just as its size has blocked out the sun, you better roll up them tinted windows, slouch down in those bucket seats and act like you're playing with the radio. Why? Because when that light turns green, that electrified military-grade looking monster will straight up walk your ass. No joke and not by a little bit. That beast will lay down a computer-controlled three-second flat zero to 60 with an 11.7 quarter mile. With the wonder of computer programming, electric motors, instant torque, and all-wheel drive, you'll be watching those chunky taillights and all terrains disappear from the seat of that shiny Porsche, my friend. Tail lights mounted over the top of Goodyear all-terrain 35-inch or optional 37-inch tires. Yup, a vehicle the size of a two-bedroom apartment just disappearing into the sunset. All from the seat of your once-proud Mustang, Camaro, or Porsche. That shit is gonna hurt deep in the fields. How could I not be interested in this level of insanity? Your electric vehicles are not just fast, they are holy shit fast. Yes, again, there are IC internal combustion engine cars that can hang. But they are limited production and out of reach cost-wise of most of us mere mortals. So we've established when it comes to electric, the performance is there. It's undeniable. And as an already established child of technology and the zero to 60 and quarter mile wars, an inductee of the numbers don't like group. Electric should be my new object of desire. So what's the problem? Turns out in my less than humble opinion, well, there's a few. Let's start with range and charge time. Talk to any Tesla fanboy. They'll swear on a stack of rechargeable lithium batteries that its charge time issue is all but fallacy. That the standard range is more than enough to get most people to and from work in any life-side errands. All on a single charge. Simply unplug it home after charging all night. Get your shit done. Return home and plug it back in. Easy peasy. And for the most part, they are right. If you work in the tech industry like I do, your parking lot is probably just as full of electrics as mine. Teslas and their fanboys in every other spot. Like vegans, they can't wait to tell you all about their superiority. Hell, where I work, we have charges on site, so I get it. It makes a ton of sense, especially as a commuter. Admittedly, objectively, as a straight everyday commuter car, electric is hard to beat. 
So what's the problem? Let's start off light. If you're like me and enjoy several long road trips a year, the limitations of an electric are going to dictate what you can and can't do. When you're on a road trip, do you like to wander? If so, electrics aren't for you, especially if you don't happen to have a Tesla. Finding a charger on the road by accident at least currently can be a challenge. They certainly aren't anywhere near as prolific or abundant as gas stations. If you're not aware when you get in your electric, the first thing it wants you to do is tell it where you're going. That way it can charge you a course that includes charging points. You don't have to search hard to find the stories. Written by both automotive and regular journalists alike detailing the frustrations of charging stations. Arriving at stations that plane don't work at all or are underpowered. At best causing massive delays and wait times before continuing with a road trip. At worst, leaving you stranded in a sketchy location with not enough power to leave. Then there's the rare occasion when a charging station breaks your car entirely. As I'm writing this, there are stories of a Ford Lightning being murdered by a glitch in a roadside charging station. How long does it take to get gas? Five, maybe ten minutes. What about waiting 30 minutes to a few hours for full charge? If you like making time on a road trip like I do, sitting in a parking lot, 30 minutes to several hours might not be for you. Personally, the wait time alone would drive me crazy, but if the station didn't work, I'd lose my shit. If you listen to Matt Farrow on his The Smoking Tire podcast, which I highly recommend, he's detailed many such experiences with several non-Tesla electric cars using non-Tesla charging stations. But James, you say, as more people adopt electric cars, the charging stations will get better. Will they? Not likely if you live in America. At least not in the near future. The state of our infrastructure is dismal. In California, where I live, the home of innovation and technology. We get warnings during summer heat waves to turn our home's AC off because the grid can't take the load. No, it's not super regular. But several times each summer for as long as I can remember, we've gotten similar alerts and outages. California isn't alone either. Even Texas with its own independent grid has major issues in both cold and hot weather. Despite being in total control due to a completely separate from the rest of the country power grid, Texas has been building and maintaining their grid to weather standards that don't seem to exist anymore. Anytime it gets to hot or to cold, they have just as many, if not more, issues than California. Not so shockingly, it turns out people that don't believe in science can be greedy bastards too, and it bit them in the ass. You might remember during a cold snap in 2021, Texas power grid failed in epic fashion. The predominant gas and oil-based power generating plants froze. Their new solar and wind power generation not built for extreme cold and a gamble to save money or denial that climate change is real also failed. Though not to the same degree as the established gas and oil-based generators. Despite solar and wind being actively used in other near-Arctic countries and working just fine, Texas media ignored that fact and even though wind and solar making up less than 33% of Texas power, it was wind and solar that caught the lion's share of the blame. Climate change is a thing whether you believe or not. No matter what the cause, weather patterns are changing, the temperature averages and previous extremes we have grown used to for decades are no longer reliable. Even though these oversights left hundreds of thousands of people without power and therefore heat in their homes causing massive water damage due to frozen and busting pipes. Texas has so far made no announcements about improving or reinforcing their grid to prevent the same situation should cold weather strike again. HTTPS slash slash www statesman com slash story slash new slash 2021 slash 2 slash 17 slash texas energy wind power outage natural gas renewable green new deal slash 67 million eight hundred five thousand four hundred sixty two slash if you got an electric car no power no car with more and more electric cars being produced in no states with real plans by either party to improve our infrastructure it's only going to get worse when it comes to the dark side of the switch to electric i could go on and on and smarter folks than me already have. Do a quick internet search and detailed accounts of the issues with electric cars. Green image are easy to find. The strip mining and pollution caused by battery manufacture. The fuel consumed by cargo ships first carting the raw materials to be turned into batteries. The pollution caused by the actual manufacturing. Then there's the shipping the finished batteries to other manufacturing facilities. All before actually making the cars. What to do with the batteries when they wear out. 
Like a blood diamond, there's a lot of issues that dim the shine of this new technology. So let's get to the tinfoil hat bit. The bit I haven't heard anyone else talking about and the reason for this whole exercise. As someone that has spent over 25 years in the tech slash cellular slash telephony service industry, I've seen some shit. And while that shit may not currently apply to electric cars as a whole, there's no reason to think it won't. What am I referring to? In short, control. I know. I know I said tinfoil had stuff, didn't I? Hear me out. Are you aware that the government, both federal and state, has ordered carriers to turn off cell towers during protests and riot situations? Oh, they don't turn them completely off. Federal and state-issued cellular devices are set through specific channels that stay open. Only the unwashed masses go dark. Don't believe me. What you believe is CLU. Go ahead and give that again. HTTPS slash slash www clue org slash block slash national security slash shutting down cell service during protest constitutional dimension do your own research other instances are shockingly easy to find i was witness to cell towers shut down several times at previous jobs both by state and federal request and there was no pushback by the carrier the call came in and the towers as far as the public could tell just went off I don't think it's much of a leap to say that this is something that could be easily extended to electric cars. Think that sounds crazy. Did you know all Teslas and most other electrics have both 4G, 5G cellular and Wi-Fi modems? Not only to facilitate updates, but to send massive amounts of collected data back to their manufacturer. Tesla as the front runner of the industry has been questioned over this many times. Again, don't believe me. Check it out yourself. Here's a link to an Axios article to get you started. HTTPS slash slash www Axios com slash 2019 slash 3 slash 13 slash what Tesla knows about you. Another great example of how easy this would be to facilitate is the XL thermostat issue. You might have seen this story in Denver, Colorado. XL is the name of the utility company that serves Denver. As a heat wave was cooking the mile-high city, XL was noticing that their customers were running their air conditioners and soaking up enough power to put the grid at risk. So XL just locked everyone's thermostats at 78 or 79. Some people reported they were locked at 88 degrees. That may not sound like a big deal, but if you really think about it, a company just decided on their own what was best for 22,000 customers. Sure, one could argue those folks should have known that was a possibility. They should have read the good old terms and conditions. If you thought that, just know you're a dick and when was the last time you read the terms and conditions on anything? I'm betting like most people. Never. Here's a link to that story. HTTPS slash slash www Denver 7 com slash new slash contact Denver 7 slash thousands of Excel customers lock out of thermostats during energy emergency. As I mentioned, electric car manufacturers are following Tesla's lead. Installing 4G slash 5G and Wi-Fi modems in their own vehicles. Rivian and Lucid both use similar cellular and Wi-Fi modems in the same fashion as does Ford and Chevy. Call me crazy here, but if we have already seen both state and federal government shut down cell towers to control protests and riots, why wouldn't they also turn off everyone's cars too? Let's try and lighten things up a bit. Let's be generous, optimistic even, and say it was for safety. An option like that could be justified as a safety measure. How? Why? Well, how about to prevent or slow a mass exodus during a natural disaster? Or maybe to automatically clear a path for emergency vehicles? What if it was sold as a theft recovery act? Turns out that last part at least is already a thing. GM's on Star has been able to cut the engine off from the beginning. Teslas can be tracked not only by Tesla, but also by the owner using their app. The GPS is so good that in the U.S. data from the Federal Bureau of Investigation's National Crime Information Center data released by the National Insurance Crime Bureau via MarketWatch show that 112 out of 115 Teslas were recovered from 2011 to May of 2018. It compares to a recovery rate of just 58.4% for all other vehicles in 2016, meaning that Tesla vehicles are much easier to recover on average in the U.S., I found this info here, https slash slash electric co slash 2018 slash 8 slash 10 slash Tesla stolen vehicles as recovered thieves slash theft inclement weather.
public safety, these are all real situations that when positioned correctly or as I see them predatorily to some people. Positioning like this will be more than enough for them to justify surrendering control of their vehicles, surrendering their ability to travel, to go to their jobs, to get to supplies or seek medical attention. To the masses, the public safety argument will make sense. Until, of course, it happens to them. Picture a massive storm about to hit Florida. A message appears on your car screen saying to keep freeways from being clogged. Cars are only allowed to leave in metered waves to prevent traffic. Starting to sound plausible, isn't it? Or what if there's a mass protest or riot in your area and you try and flee, but your car displays due to civil unrest, your local police force recommends you shelter in place for your safety. The technology is already there. It's just a matter of implementation. What if you live in a communist or dictator-run country? You think this level of control won't appeal to them, especially when this level of control largely could be done with a software update. It might not be implemented in the U.S. first, but if China or any other similarly controlled country wanted it, you can bet your ass it's going to happen. There's a meme going around that says you can trust the government or know your history, you can't do both. As someone that reads a fair amount of history, this hypothetical idea and the requirement to change my whole driving behavior, being required to schedule and plan every stop and give up detours. These reasons at least so far are enough to keep me away from electric cars. Maybe if a company was to offer a firewalled option that allowed complete control over what was and wasn't installed, an electric might be more appealing to me. It will be interesting with Apple's hypocritical U.S. and some of Europe only commitment to personal privacy what their electric offering will look like in regards to these features. So while my work buddies are buying electrics, I keep my old school internal combustion powered classics. And as for my next car, I've been looking for a low mileage 90 Suburban. You can or escalate four by, preferably in green, James, the lowered HMFIC. If you pushed your way through that and made it here, I really appreciate it. I listened to it a few times through myself. I made some changes and tweaks, but Robot Snoop Dogg, uh, can get a little frustrating um at least it did to me halfway well about three quarter of the way through but if you weathered it i really appreciate it um as with anything uh especially a subject like this uh like the con ability for automotive companies building electric cars to control their their vehicles um you know it's it's always changing and a story i read a long time ago and had forgotten about um, his. It came up on my feed a bunch more times while I was going through getting this cut up, and it's in regards to Tesla having to pay a 1.5 million dollar settlement for. Uh, I don't know if this was an over-the-air update or something that happened when they brought their vehicles in for service, but uh, just over 1,700 Tesla Model S sedans had their battery uh, capacity degraded. And it was a software change. Um, and they got caught and Tesla they got sued and they had, Tesla had to you know, correct the issue and then pay the $1.5 million settlement. Um, there was another story that was going around where a guy had bought a Tesla used and the guy who bought it used um, had some, there was an issue with it and in that issue's correction, he had them, he paid an extra fee to have the car updated to have the, the higher capacity battery um, for better performance. And then this guy bought it used, but because the car wasn't originally spec'd that way, Tesla changed the software, which cut his, you know, access to that battery, even though the hardware was there. It's a, you know, it's a physical thing, the battery. The software changed how much the car was you know, able to access of that capacity. Um, and there was a lawsuit over that and Tesla capitulated and, and corrected the issue. Um, Dodge put out, I come across another blurb about Dodge's new, you know, upcoming electric where uh, the author was talking about how Dodge is going to be selling these separate packages that are software. Uh, I did a podcast about this previously uh, the new Dodge Charger Daytona SRT uh, is going to have uh, 
well, at least reported by Dodge to have a capability where you won't physically change anything really on the car. You'll just pay for this software update and the software update is going to change the the handling dynamics and the, you know, the power, the way the power is delivered and a bunch of other things that allow you to achieve things. Uh, they mention a drift mode. They mention a drag mode. They mention a handling package. Um, and it's all, it's all software. So the idea of there being a built-in control is it's, it's just software. You know, they, they don't even, they don't even have to bolt something on. Uh, they just, push out a software update over the air and they can, you know, make the car do any number of things. So the idea that I put forth that, you know, electric vehicles are going to, if, if any entity decided to pursue it, allow, you know, control that they, they, these countries have, and, or governments have, have never had before, you know, once electric cars adoption rate, is sufficiently high it's it's inarguably feasible there's just no no way around it and you know maybe early adopters will luck out you know maybe their their cars will be like you know old computers and they won't be upgradable but you know like i i also mentioned general motors has had onstar since you know what the mid 90s mid mid to late 90s and one of the early things that they used to early features that they used to push on star was that they could remotely disable the vehicle. They could remotely unlock the doors, you know, and that's back in the nineties. So if your vehicle's fully electric, sending that update out that allows an error message or, you know, a warning message of some kind to be flashed on the screen and then, you know, you just coast over to the side of the road and your vehicle turns off or you get in your vehicle and the screen says, you know, hey, you can't use your car today for whatever reason. It's not that big of a leap. So um, just wanted to, to, to add that in there. I uh, also wanted to thank you guys again. This is going to be my last podcast of the year. Um, I wanted to make sure I get something out for you for the month of December. I just couldn't get it together with Matt. Uh, he's got a lot going on, you know, end of the year for him as well. Uh, plus I think they had a few more races in there, but, uh, Matt and, uh, with TBR garage, I'm hoping to get him in here soon so we can finally put the Truckee Verde, uh, new engine to rest, uh, or at least, um, <laughs> uh, at least talk about how it ended up and, uh, talk about the plans going forward because there there are always plans going forward can't leave nothing alone uh, i really want to thank everybody for listening i want to thank you guys that have come over from the facebook page your support means everything to me i'm really sorry that i've, I've had such a hard time getting a store back up i've had guys asking for stickers i've had guys asking for shirts and hats and uh Man, finding a company that will cooperate with me and give me, you know, assurances or certifications that the the base product I'm buying is an American-made product, American cotton, American, you know, labor, has been a real pain in the ass, uh, and that's a commitment that I made early, early on. I am carrying stickers around. I do give them to, you know, give them or, or you know, sell them to folks when I'm at shows, so... Um, if you see me at a show, I generally have something on me. I'm always, you know, happy to meet somebody that is a fan, a follower or a fan. And I, I really, I really just appreciate you guys letting me take up space in your lives. Um, hearing from you guys, like seeing your projects and the progress that you guys make on them, you know, as time goes on. And um, it's just, it's, it means a lot. And I, I really appreciate it. It's amazing to me how positive and, um, how much fun running this page has been my decision early on to not allow any religion or politics, uh, has been, I probably the best decision I ever made. And I'm so happy that I'm giving car guys a place to go where they, they know they're not gonna to run into any of that bullshit. And with the, uh, at least in America with our, you know, the next, 
round of elections is starting to spin up already. It's probably going to be another shit show, and I'm I'm really glad that I'm gonna you know so many guys are gonna and and women are gonna have you know at least they'll have my page in their back pocket. You know when everything else is looking shitty in the in the media or on their Facebook pages or feeds or Instagram, uh, they can they can hit up the Lord and they know that they're just gonna see you know some cool rides like maybe rides they don't even really like, but <laughs> if generally if I post something too far too far or too crazy you know the next one i normally follow it up with you know something more in the the normal vein but again thank you guys so much uh, i really appreciate it and i hope you like the show if you have any questions or you know just want to statements or whatever uh hit me up i'm always respond back to almost every message i get uh through the facebook page I am having a hard time with some messages I'm getting through my web page. I'm not sure why, but I'm working on that. I do respond to any message I get through my Instagram. So, yeah, feel free to reach out, you know, or if there's something that you want to see more of or less of. I mean, that doesn't mean I'm going to do it, but you could certainly let me know. Uh, but I would be interested to think or to hear what you guys think about, uh, you know, my my worry uh, with electric cars and my concern. And, um, uh, yeah, I hope you guys find yourselves as always surrounded by family and friends and plenty. Uh, if you celebrate Christmas, I hope you guys have a, a fantastic Christmas this year. I know it's kind of a weird one for a lot of us in the States. Um, some of us are, are doing okay and some of us not so much. So, you know, it's not the, it's not the stuff, you know, although if you're a parent, you know, the stuff is, you know, you really feel is what you feel responsible for. But, you know, your kids aren't going to remember, you know, with with some exceptions, you know, like your first bike, your first, you know, if you're into a sport, your first, you know, products of that sport, you know, there, there are obviously there's some exceptions. But by and large, you know, kids, they they just want to be with you. And I know that's super hard for me as a parent to remember but I hope that maybe maybe me reminding you will help remind myself. Um, I'm definitely guilty of it as well. But they really do. They just they just want to be with you. They just want you to be happy and you know to goof around with them and you know have a good time. And you know even if you just drive around and look at other people's lights, you know I I have made many a night uh, when you know shit was lean. For my family, uh, you know, put the kids in the car and make some hot chocolate, put it in a thermos and cruise around and look at some lights, you know, until the, the kids fall asleep and come home. And man, they love that stuff. And, you know, I'm sure gas isn't cheap, but you got to do what you got to do uh, to keep your own sanity. So for all the parents out there, I hope you're doing extra well and you've got the support you need. And uh, Thanks again for giving me the time. It means a lot to me. And I hope I'm able to keep earning it. So, uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy Hanukkah. Um, you know, whatever holidays you're, you're celebrating, I hope they're good ones and you have a good time. And we'll see you next year.